Hello, everybody. This is Bill Cameron from The Drive. Podcasts of The Drive are presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, now hiring for great-paying skilled trade positions. Call 334-209-6355 to learn more. Thanks for listening. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is the Wednesday edition of The Drive. Hope everybody doing well on another beautiful fall afternoon got a uh, full studio 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 okay that's enough for me no full studio this afternoon bill dan jason caldwell from auburn undercover part of the 24 uh, 7 network with us as usual here in hour number one of wednesday and drew is at the controls so uh we, we'd love for you to join in anything on your mind it is um there why is it, if there are two of them, Dan, why is it Basketball Media Day? Men's Basketball Media maybe Day? That's, maybe that's what. And maybe women's Basketball? I don't know. I guess but, each but, has a day. Yeah. But but it's, yeah, today, I, I, I don't, yeah, I think tomorrow is when the, the, the women take center stage. Today uh, in Birmingham, uh, men's basketball programs bringing, uh, I think it's two players each for the most part. I think some, I, I think that's what everybody did along with the coach to uh, talk to the media. There's been coverage all day long on SEC Network of, uh, of SEC Media Days as uh, uh, we, uh, yeah, we get to hear from everyone in the league as, as the uh, – th- this is – and I'll defer to Jason on this, but this is a, this is a year where you know, six, seven teams you know, feel like they, they enter the season feeling like they've got a shot at a serious run. Maybe, maybe more than that, but, but a realistic shot, right? I mean, I, I yeah. think about – I think about the top six, top seven, and and how you want to place them right now. And aside from Tennessee being maybe a consensus favorite in the eyes of a lot of people, I don't know if you're in that crowd, but yeah, I, I would put Tennessee. I think A and M is going to be good. Um, I would say those two teams probably would be my thought to be my favorite right now. And and those were the top two in the yeah, in the media I, picks. I, I, think, I like what Musselman's done. I, I, I think, think you know, Arkansas is a team that. Every year you go, that's probably a threat to make a run in the tournament mm-hmm. kind of team. Um, no, I, I think you're right. I, here's the thing about it. I think there's, I think there's probably, I'll, I'll say it on, in reverse. I think there's probably 12 teams in this league that you probably don't want to play. I think it's that deep. I think you look at, I mean, you start running down the list of Mississippi States and the Ole Miss and LSU. With Georgia. And Georgia see, I, I think better. I might see, I see Georgia, LSU. Florida. See, Florida's Ge- going to be better. Georgia, LSU, and South Carolina feel like they would be the only three teams I would lead. Like, everyone else in the league feels like they've got a shot to finish top half. And then I would think Georgia, South Carolina, and, and LSU, to this point, would be three teams where it would be a surprise to see them Make a sustained run. Yep. Just the... historically, LSU usually going to have players, mm-hmm. and so you go, okay, they got that they team's can, probably they can capable usually, of beating. Yeah, them. they can usually find one or two within a hundred miles of of campus. I wonder yeah, how or, many times, or ten miles. I yeah. wonder how many yeah. times well, they've been definitely they've been picked to finish last in program history. 
Like I, I, because I believe they uh, are way way back. I believe they were. Way, I, it way would back. be it would be pre Dale Brown. Yes, and then maybe at one other point somewhere along the line there may have been there may have been a time, but mm-hmm. I don't think so. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't necessarily count them out, but that's uh, I mean I, I think Vanderbilt right like that's another one where. Um, I mean, again, you don't. He's doing. He's a good coach. I think. I think it's going to be that league where you start talking about. Oh, you got to go. You got a road trip to, to Oxford. Well, that ain't going to be easy. Got a road trip to Starkville. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that any of them. No, I mean, like it's going to be a difficult year. Yeah. And you're right. I think it's it's top heavy with some teams that have a chance to make a run. But I think the bottom is so much better. I think we've seen that develop over the course of the last eight to ten years in this league that this is a basketball league that is so much deeper than it's ever been. We were saying K- Kentucky feels like a, a big dice roll th- this year because of – I mean, it's a top recruiting class and, like, one veteran player. Yeah, just don't know. A, yeah. yeah, you just don't know what you – you know they're going to be talented, but, but you don't know how it's going to come together. And that's, that's part of the, the lottery that you play right now in college sports. Yeah, so every Wednesday morning I'm, I'm on uh, Wimp and Barry Sanderson show. And Wimp asked me this morning – he said, why is it that there was a lot more interest and a lot more attendance back in, you know, back in my days as the head basketball coach than there is now? One of the reasons is there is so much easier access. I mean, um, electronically, I mean, you can, you can follow things without having to be there. Yes. The way you used to. And I said another reason, quite frankly, wimp. There aren't as many personalities as there were back then with Wimp and Sonny and Dale and, I mean. I mean on and on. I mean, there, yeah, there were lots of them. There really um, were. I mean, you know, you're talking about from the 70s to 80s, you had Joe B. Hall, who was a guy that was, I mean, Kentucky obviously was, was a big part of it. Hugh Durham was a guy that, that had some personality. I mean, and they would, yeah, they would they would say some things that weren't just coach speak. No, yes. And I, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's yeah. everything now. I think it is. You're right. There's so much. I said, you know, they're great coaches in the SEC. So much access. But they're, but they're not a lot of – Bruce is one of the – he's larger than life. There were, there were a handful of coaches back in the 80s that were all like, wow, everybody wanted to, to interview them because they would be, you know, they would be giving you quotes I about think the, basketball and a lot of other the things. The personality thing can both be true and also maybe not one of the leading reasons. Oh, no, it's not a leading reason, but it was more I'm, fun I'm wondering, to be around those guys. I'm wondering if, if business decisions are being made with local uh, radio stations and newspapers and subscription services. Yeah, there aren't as services. many newspapers, too. Yeah, it's like, let's, I mean, it, well, do, I mean do we, is it worth it to send someone – uh, two well, two media days or cover it remotely. Well, I mean, or, look, look, yeah, when you when you can get everything from the well, conference. Well, here's the other thing, it, it not it, 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 it that happens for games, right? We 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 got road football games where there's not a whole lot of us going from 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 as, from, from there, Auburn media. There were there were beats at media days for the folks who were there a couple more than just for for their team. There were a couple of teams where I was shocked by. Well, only nobody's couple, in the room. Yeah, there's only there's only a couple of people here covering Correct. Mississippi State. No, there's, there's, there's only a couple less of people tra- there's less travel involved now than there's ever been for most most things. Um, it's actually pretty cool that Auburn has a contingent of. I mean, who's? I mean, I know just to name people that are you know from social media. I know Ferguson's there. Yeah, Nathan King is there from your website. Nathan's there. Rich Hen- Rich Silva's there. Henry's there. Adam Cole's there. Adam Cole's yeah, there. You're gonna get the the, young, the younger guys. Callie yeah. Callie yeah. Stanford went. Yep. I mean, if you if you've got families, it's a little tougher to do. 
And uh, if you've been there a bunch of times, it's it's yeah, you know, it, it, it's not it's, as much it's, it, it is much different. Yeah, it's much different. Yeah, and so I think it's, um, yeah, it's it's just a different world. It really is. And, and we, here's the thing about for basketball, I don't know how it is. A lot of places we get a ton of access to Auburn basketball. We get to go watch practice. We get to you know have interviews, and we've already done a couple of media outings, interviews with with them. So back then, that was your introduction. Mm-hmm. When you went to media days, that was the time. Oh well, well, how's basketball? How's practice, practice going to be? Because they started later then. There wasn't as much attention then as there is now, and so it was much different. Between uh, LSU, well, actually, we'll get to football. I have one more basketball thing. What do you? What do you think are the just just looking at this year's team? What are the areas where you could see? Uh, improvement and where are the areas where you think this this team might might be uh, a, a work in process a work in progress trying to trying to uh, you know, achieve what previous Bruce Pearl teams have achieved yeah I, I think it's it's going to be a different team I believe now, it could transition into being a shutdown defensive team I don't think that's what we're we'll see early on for this team I think it's going to be more offensive I wouldn't be shocked if we see more zone on defense to do some of those things and um, you know, that probably depends on how well you can rebound out of that because that's always an issue when you're playing zone. How, how much can you rebound out of those things? That's going to be a focus, and there's been a focus on being more physical at the ba- at the basket, at the rim, and shooting free throws. They have they have shot free throws. I went this summer and watched a few a few <laughs> scrimmage kind of situations, and you had to validate a win. So a team won. They went to ten. They won it. Well, you had to step to the free throw line, and if you didn't make a free throw, you lost that basket, and you had to keep playing. And then when you got to 10 again, you had to make a free throw to win. And so they put a little pressure situation on. But um, I, I think this team's got some shooters. I think, I think you know, Denver Jones, obviously, Aiden Holloway, Trey Donaldson's really shooting the ball well. He's, he's doing a good job. Jalen Williams out there. Janai Broom has increased his range dramatically uh, in terms of – and, you know, some guys just have a much better feel for it than stepping to the free throw line. I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that's going to step up the free throw line and shoot 80% of the free throw line. But I do think he's going to knock down some threes and make some shots. Uh, but I would say defense is probably the one where you go, okay, how does this team get it done on that end? And are they going to have to do some different things? I think so. But I, I think they're going to shoot the ball. Jason Caldwell with us here in hour number one. Yes, we will uh, we will, we will talk some football because uh, Auburn's got a big Saturday night Matchup against the Ole Miss Rebels, another high-powered offense coming uh, uh, coming in. Auburn's third straight game against well, they they have as Hugh Freeze said, they will have played the top three offenses in the SEC over the last three games. So uh, we'll we'll get Jason's thoughts on that. We'll we'll uh, we'll look back before we do that though, as painful as it may be, got to look back at this past Saturday down in Baton Rouge, and it was such a such a bad start, Jason. We we were trying to figure out, and I think Hugh, I think Hugh Freeze was trying to figure it out too. What happened and why the the team seemed so like in a trance almost. I mean, they were they 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 were stunned. It appeared from from what happened early on. You hoped that it was something like that, and they could shake that off. Yeah, I I kind of felt that too, because um, you look up into seventeen nothing, and and because of what's on the other side. You go, uh, it's going to be hard to, 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 to keep them under 35. Can we score 35 points? And you start going, well, you're facing reality pretty early. 
I think that I think that was a reality check pretty early in that game and a bad start. Um, you know, a couple of miscues on on the first couple of drives and you, you get yourself in second, third long situations again. Obviously, punt it back and I mean seventeen nothing to me. There's there's often times I go. Uh, no, nah, this one doesn't feel quite that way. That felt oh, every it, it felt every bit of seventeen nothing. And the interesting thing is, is that they actually got themselves back in the game a couple of times. Down twenty ten and had the ball yeah, a had, few times. Yep, had, had some opportunities there, but it, it, it's kind of the same story, different verse. Now LSU's offense was able to extend it out against an Auburn defense that just didn't have any answers. They didn't, but it's the same same story, different verse in that. Just no no play no playmaking. There was nothing happening on offense. A um, couple of times they threw the ball. The only playmaking, you know, Robbie hit hit Brandon, Brandon Frazier, Frazier a couple of times uh, with some throws. Cannon Brown had a couple of catches. There were a couple of new names that we saw, but just not enough of that consistency. And I mean, you look at it, and um, this is a team that just doesn't have very many explosive plays in the passing game or explosive plays. Period. It's just hard hard to win. Hard to move the football when you do that. And um, I, I keep coming back to the thing I've talked about now since Saturday night. Since Saturday night, I asked you freeze after the game. Talked about it again on Monday. This is an offense that's designed to go fast. That's how this thing is supposed to work. When it's when it's put in, this is designed for tempo. They practiced that. I mean, we and, saw them practicing and, and that have, from the outset. And they they have tried to protect the defense. And it worked. it worked against Georgia. Were, even worked against Texas A&M. You just had too many mistakes on offense. I just don't know that it's going to work much moving forward. And it's sooner or later you go, okay, what do we have to do? And I think right now it's kind of a watershed moment. I'm, obviously Ole Miss is the team that's going to score a bunch. But mm-hmm. I, I feel safe in saying that most Auburn fans right now would rather lose 51-30 to 30 than 31-10. to Yes, or, I, 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 yeah. I, I think that's a pretty safe assumption. Just get some – because your defensive guys aren't there. They're coming. You're trying to, to get better on that side of the ball. But you got to find something to give you a little bit of energy on offense. Can they get to 30 points on offense with the flip of a switch, though? I mean, that's where I, well, I, I mean, wonder – Well, I mean, here's the thing. They went tempo th- really three times against LSU and scored 17 points. They and, had, they, and scored 20 against Georgia, they, uh, a good yeah, Georgia yeah, defense at that, home. But, you know, they, but go they tempo. weren't even going tempo. Without, yeah, they, without going yeah, tempo. They go tempo against LSU, and, and Peyton Thorne drives them down the field for a touchdown. They go tempo second half. Robbie leads them down. Then they have another tempo drive. Peyton Thorne leads them down, and Robbie finishes it with a touchdown. And then, obviously, they didn't at the end. They were still going into a little tempo. But the, really, that got them going a little bit on Saturday night. It was, it was probably a little too late. But I think that's – when you're limited in playmaking ability – when you've got some issues, the one thing that can give you an advantage is tempo, especially when you start talking about it's going to limit what the defense can do. That's the whole point about it is like they can't just start doing exotic things. Right. I mean, they got to play pretty base if you're going quick. You're going to, you're going to risk going three and out and doing it in, but, you know, but you're going three but and heck, out. Let's face it, Auburn's going three and out way too well, much yeah. as it is. I'd, I'd have to go back and look, but I'd, I'd, the, the, the touchdown scoring drives that Auburn's had this year. I would have to see how many of those would be over four minutes. I think most of them that have happened have been pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not going to take you too long to uh, count the mm-hmm. touchdown drives against Power Five teams this year in in four games. But yep. the where do you think? I mean, assuming that Auburn is sticking with, although I did think that Robbie Ashford felt like I I was being careful with my words yesterday after watching practice, but it felt like there was more of a split or more 
uh, more Robbie sort of activity with what I would think of as the ones than we've seen in, in recent weeks, which would indicate that, yeah, I mean, Thorne's going to probably run the show, but may, maybe there will be more Ashford exclusive drives or maybe Ashford. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know what they're planning in, uh, pl- planning for uh, for Saturday. Where else do you think? I mean, they moved some pieces around, and you know, Caleb Burton. Yep. Got his got his first shine. Like, what, what players do you think could be uh, could, could be key for Auburn's offense I, on I, Saturday? I, yeah, I think we talked about. It. I, I think you know more opportunities maybe for Brandon Frazier, obviously along with Rivaldo Fairwood. That that tight end group has has has, has done some things. I'm advocating I, for playing Fairweather at receiver. I, I, I've been convinced. Well, I think he you know he splits out plays out there anyway a good bit. But with, I, with I, Frazier on the field, like yeah, I, I like I, the idea. I think what you got to do is, I mean, okay. You've you've given guys looks. Cannon Brown, limited look. We saw him. He makes a couple of plays. Yeah, my question was, they didn't seem to go back to Camden or yeah, Caleb that, yeah, after the very I, beginning of that, the game. That was scripted, obviously scripted, because guys that haven't been in the system as much. You know, Camden missed pretty much all the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, now you get him back going. Caleb wasn't here in the spring, and and a guy that's not as experienced as some of these older guys. I would advocate. See more of those guys. Get Var Johnson back on the field. Jay Fair. That being my rotation at wide receiver. And and what and, about you know Mar- maybe Amari Kelly's done some things when he's made yeah, good opportunities. Um, uh, well, I know we need to get to break. Yeah, let's get to break. We, we we've got other thoughts. We'd love to get from Jason. Love for you to join in as well. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. That is the drive hotline. Presented by Skybar Cafe. That's right. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840 on the Drive Text Box, presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. They also sponsor the podcast, available however you listen to podcasts. Come on in and join us here on the Wednesday Drive. Bending, stretching, walking. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. And online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Wednesday afternoon. Bill, Dan, and Jason Caldwell. We have Drew at the controls. Love for you to join in. Any thoughts, questions for Jason as Auburn getting ready for an Ole Miss team? Jason, it comes in. Um, a You talk about up-tempo. They are, I mean, they're, they're a team that, that likes to snap it, line up, snap it. I noticed a couple of times last Saturday night, LSU runs some tempo, but not, not like Ole Miss does. There were a couple of times where the Auburn defense is looking over to the side. They're not going to be able to be doing that much against Ole Miss. Saturday no, night. no, this is one where you're going to have to you get lined up, uh, get ready to play, and but it's it's so vitally important that Auburn plays better against the run than they did the other night. Mm-hmm. That was the key to that entire game was LSU's ability to run the football early. Once that happened, it opened up the entire playbook, and, and, and it, it, you can't let Ole Miss run the football, and they're going to try to run it. They're really good back there, obviously, with the – Ulysses Bentley adding to Quinshawn Judkins mm-hmm. and Jackson Dart can run it. This is a very difficult game for your linebackers, for, for those nickel guys, safeties. And well, getting Keontae Scott back, if he's ready to go, even if it's 15, 20 plays, would be really big and really beneficial for this team because without him, it's taken Donovan Kaufman away from that blitz role and turned him into more of a coverage guy. If you can put those guys on the field at the same time, then you still got a coverage guy or you got one guy that can blitz, one guy can coverage back. It's it's basically taken that away from this defense really the last couple of weeks. And 
Um, that'd be really big for them. Austin Keys, we'll see if, if he's how much he's able to go to. But you know he wants to because absolutely. This, is, this is his former school. Yeah. I, was, I, was in, I mean, I noticed in previous weeks how involved Austin seemed for an injured player in what they call mental reps or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Like he, he oh, was yeah. right he's... there. He might as well have been an assistant coach mm-hmm. with the linebackers during his injury. And, yeah, I, I suspected that was in part because he wanted to be as sharp as possible when it was time to get back in there and, and – Maybe maybe we're here. It it did feel early, but that injury was what five six weeks ago. Yes, the opener. Yep. So 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 maybe he's uh, maybe he's yeah, able. So to that's go. been six weeks for him. It's only been four for Keontae. Yeah. Yes. So you, you know you're looking, um, getting those two guys back obviously would be a big boost. And and this team's got to they got to find a way to make some plays up front on defense. That that just was non-existent against LSU. And um, you got to create some pressure. And yeah, well, that's I mean, been very difficult. Yeah, and, and here's the thing: Jackson Dart is is athletic. He's not Jaden mm-hmm. Daniels, but he's athletic. Um, but you've got to be able to get after the quarterback some uh, this week. And um, honestly, you're going to have to put those guys in some some one on one situations down the field. And um, I think get back to the line of scrimmage, let Eugene Asante create some some situations on defense. The best game Auburn's front four has had, if you look at the four Power Five games this year, the best one they've had is Georgia. Maybe that's because it's at home. Maybe I, that's. I mean, I, I don't think there's any question that has a big part of it. Yeah. Because um, Georgia's not. The, I mean, look around the country. Yeah. I mean, Georgia's not the worst team of those four, so it wouldn't. I no. Mean, no. I mean, you look and, and and that's the thing. Auburn. You know, you're we're talking about Power Five. Auburn's played one Power Five game. That's it at home. It's crazy. And it was against a team with half, a twenty twenty one game halfway, win streak. Halfway through the season, Auburn mm-hmm. has played one Power Five opponent at home. It's 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 hard to fathom, but that's where we are, and so. That's thrown into this difficulty of the start for this team, the travel part of it. Then you have a few injuries to a team that already isn't very deep, and and you can end up with with some some tough situations. We did we did some digging on the Observer podcast last night because I mentioned the 2009 game where Auburn, Bill, you were there. Auburn, LSU, 2009, uh, Chiswick's first year. Uh, Gus and Chris Todd go down there. I feel like they scored very late, right? LSU was trying to prevent oh, it. Oh, yeah. I it, mean, was it was 31-3 it just, just late about, LSU, yeah. and I think Auburn scores a touchdown at the buzzer mm-hmm. to make it 31-10, but it was a, a yeah. blanking. Mm-hmm. And Auburn turns around a week later. There's some pressure on Chris Todd and this offense to show something against a conference opponent, and they beat a, a pretty good Ole Miss team. That's also the Zach Etheridge injury game, which uh, didn't occur to me until in, in the discussion. That, w- that was Auburn Ole Miss 2009 when that when the, the terrifying yes. mm-hmm. Zach Etheridge but yep. leading up to that Ole Miss game it wasn't just LSU Auburn's offense had had the game at Arkansas where the, where they did nothing against Petrino the home loss to Kentucky in 2009 which I'm sure Thursday you, night is that no, I, think that, I think that was a Saturday night game. okay it was, it was a Saturday night game where the offense did uh, yeah who's, at, who's the wide receiver uh, oh was it Randall Cobb Randall Cobb Randall Cobb yes. yeah that, that was a Randall Cobb game and, and then and then LSU you had three straight games where it looked like this was not working offensively, and then Auburn is able to get the win at home against Ole Miss. You know, I, it's just—it's an amazing. Not, I'm not predicting a win or anything like that, but it's a—it's a really interesting parallel, and maybe some home cooking and Ole Miss is what this offense needs after after a couple of really tough opponents, including two out of the last three on the road. Yeah, how many times has Ole Miss beaten Auburn back to back? 
Never, I'm guessing. How many wins do they have? Know. How many wins do they have? I, think, I, I heard somebody uh, say it was uh, like 70 years ago they did. I it. think they've only won three times at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Yes, yes right. I mean, this this series has been yearly since division play. Since 92. Didn't play a ton before no, then. No, no, no. Just sort of like LSU. But in, yes. but in, the, last, in the last 30, that's 15 at Jordan-Hare. And I believe they've won. They Eli Manning won. Maybe twice. Eli Manning twice. won in 03. And, yes. And, and did yeah. Hugh Freeze come in in – I think you may have, have one. One I'd of have them. To go here. back and look, but yeah, I mean, uh, it's at worst twelve and three because Auburn's 12, seventeen and maybe? three all time. Seventeen and three all time against. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I would. Th- I mean, it's still, and that's not look. And history and trends matter less with the roster right. movement we're sure seeing. Does. Uh, but no, I still think yeah, there's Vandy's a, still Vandy's still you know very close with some teams if they don't play on a regular basis and haven't over the last half century. But I could still see. I, I think the yeah that 2015, 27, 19. So twenty fifteen. Um, and in 2003, yeah, back-to-back to, back to, to Ole Miss who have beaten Auburn in back-to-back seasons would be 51-52. Yeah, okay. And, and they've been like, Se- obviously yeah, 70, playing every 71 year. years. They have played Incredible. every year since 1990 because that's mm-hmm. when they started playing and then, then the divisions changed in 92. But they'd already – so because 1990 was Jackson, Mississippi, hottest game on earth uh, day. Um Auburn, a, Auburn lost in 92 to them. Terry did. I mean, uh, uh, the last year of Coach Dye. So. What's Ole Miss ranked right now in the – 13, in the, I believe. I think it would, be the, it would be the best team Auburn has beaten since Auburn beat Ole Miss two years ago at home when right. that team was flirting with the top ten. So it would also be – I mean, they aside were, from the fact that they it's – They were 10. Ole Miss was, yes. They so were was, 10. Yeah, last time Auburn beat a top ten opponent was uh, – a, t- a team that was ranked at the time in the top ten was that game two years ago against Ole Miss, uh, the high point of the – Brian Harson era on the field uh, was uh, was was that game because I think the next two were A and M and Mississippi State and from 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 then on it was but but no so so Auburn yeah like what, what's the what's the path to victory like what's got it what's got to go right Saturday night yeah I mean you got to find some plays on offense I mean there's just I mean your Ole Miss is going to score some points <clears throat> I don't <clears throat> I don't I don't foresee forty eight but I, I think I think you probably got to get around the 30 mark if you're Auburn at home. You better, you better get a turnover or two. And, and that would help. And that's why I think, can you get back to that aggressive style defense? But it start, to me, it starts with, can you, you got to make a, a few plays on offense. And then you've got you to slow the run game down. Um, if Ole Miss starts to run it, then, then it's, it's Katie bar the door, in my mm-hmm. opinion. I mean, it's just going to be hard to get off the field. So I think it could look like last year's Arkansas game. Yeah, I think it if, starts if, there. If Ole Miss, yes. if Ole Miss runs, if football. they run the football, then then they can do it. I mean, you let Lane Kiffin have a run game, and you're in trouble. And so um, that's where it starts for me. But and it'll know, get worse as the game goes yeah, on because of Auburn's depth, correct, defensively. and because of tempo. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that's it. But I mean, we talked about it a little bit. But um, Jeremiah Kyle, Brian Petit, those are guys that have to get touches, in my opinion. I think those are guys right now. I, I think about watching NFL games and when and I'm not saying that either one of those guys is Christian McCaffrey but San Francisco is an offense you go okay Debo Samuel is the guy but even then they hand him the ball what else okay who's our next guy Christian McCaffrey's our guy let's we're going to throw it to him 10 times we're going to hand it to him 12 times like we're going to get that guy the ball in his hands right now if I'm Auburn I'm trying to find ways to get the ball in 23 and McCaffrey's a, a MVP caliber. Correct, yeah. How about how about how about Achan? Yeah, I mean Achan showed up in Miami and with speed and elusiveness. Yeah, was 
an incredibly effective back before he got hurt. Yeah, and I'm saying as a, as a rookie that we were seeing in the SEC. Yep. Last year, who's got? Mm-hmm. I feel like Cobb and Batie. I mean, HM was a, a very good SEC player. Yeah. Cobb and Batie can do that. Yeah, and but. I think here's the thing: Jeremiah Cobb has great hands. Like, like literally watching him in high school for the last three years, they would line him up at wide receiver and run post routes. Like he would run routes and catch the ball. I mean, he 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 can be a guy that you can. Right now, if you're you're having trouble throwing the ball down the field, throw the ball to him and get you know because you think about how many, I mean, hey, a six yard pass would be huge, six yard pass here, a four yard pass here, just to kind of get some rhythm going. Those are things right now that I think this offense could do and 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 get some some momentum going. We've been talking about involving Brandon Frazier in the offense, Bill, since. Uh, 2020. Since, Jarrett, oh, since, since he was signed. Since, since 2020. Since Jarrett Stidham was the quarterback, yeah. we've been talking about involving Brandon Frazier in this offense. Four targets Saturday night, which I think would be a career high for him in a I, game. I think all with Robbie Ashford. All with the, I believe they were the, they were Ashford's four pass attempts mm-hmm. were all to uh, Brandon Frazier, yeah. which you know what? Uh, catch radius. You know, like go. Well, you know, hey, one-on-one well, opportunity I mean, it's for also a 6 guys, guy. guys you're comfortable throwing the ball to. And, and you know, he's uh, – Quite frankly, they haven't been running with the ones all the time, but he's thrown the ball to him an awful lot, and he's seen him catch it. He's playing He's playing more than Deal or Fromm yeah. uh, routinely well, now. And I think, again, I think it opens up some some options for you to go, okay, Rivaldo Fairweather on one side, Brandon Frazier on the other side, 6'4", 255, really athletic, 6'7", tight end that can go up and get the ball. Great hands. You're really I mean, hands. I mean, two two difficult thing. catches in those four Yeah, and, and, he, four and, he's, he, and he's not an unathletic 6'7". He's a guy, and he's not a 4'4 guy, but he's a guy that can, can make some plays. And so I think when uh, those are some things that you could probably build on. Uh, and when you start talking about offensively for a school, I mean, for a, a group that hasn't played really well, um, you got to find ways to get – get the ball in hands of your guys that can maybe make a play or two, and I think that's the case. We'll get to our bottom of the hour break. Love for you to join in as we continue here on the Wednesday Drive. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Here on this Wednesday edition of the Drive, Jason Caldwell uh, with us for one more segment before he's got to run. So, want to get in? Want to get in some recruiting? I mean, Auburn has had a couple of decommitments this week. They've got a couple of official visitors this weekend. But first, I wanted to ask you, Jason, because I, I've I've heard some people saying this. I've been asked this. I have my I have my opinion, but how concerned are you? for Auburn's recruiting with last week's game or seeing anything else like last week's game? Zero. I don't, I don't think it has any impact at all. That's I have, I, I mean, I have heard people just on and on going, if, if we don't turn it around right now, we're not going to get anybody. And this is a complete loss. Yeah. No, uh, like, the, all these guys that are committed before they ever kicked off this season. And I think they understood that this was not going to be a team that won a national championship this year. Um, it's, you know, we talked, I talked to, uh, a dad of a recruit, and he said, "Look, the, they're they're talking, and this guy that's not committed to Auburn, he's like, look, we're talking about do you, do you want to be a, a legend or do you want to be the next guy?" And I think that's a great selling point for Auburn right now. Going, like, do you want to be the group that starts this thing, 
and because there's no question about it, it's the most important thing. Coaching is important. It's not as important as having good players. Because I, and I, I keep coming back to this. If it was, if coaching was the most important thing, then Nick Saban would have won a national championship his first year at Alabama. He didn't. They made it to Shreveport and lost to Louisiana Monroe at home. He got good players after that. Makes you a much better coach. And then one of the things that I, I've said is, you know, and Dan and I have talked about this, you look at um, first-year coaches last year who had sub-500 seasons and went out and put up top-10 classes, Miami. Yep. I mean, uh, Oklahoma. And, you know, the, the fan base was howling and everything, and they went out and recruited extremely well, Correct. and they're an awful lot better this yeah, year. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I mean, uh, Florida. I mean, no, Billy Napier. And I think the other thing that we've, we've seen right now, we've seen it in lots of places. Missouri being one of them right now too. How important it is to be patient. It's it, it, sometimes it just takes a little longer than you want it to. Florida State. Yes, absolutely. That's a, you know, I mean, like right. You, you, sometimes it pays if you think you got the right guy. You're going to have to be a little patient, and and it may take a little bit longer. Um, just because the transfer portal, you know, transfer portal is great when you add a couple of pieces to it. And, and like which is fl what Florida State has done, they've gone out and added a few key pieces each year. It's really hard to go, hey, we're just going to make a complete overhaul. Because people will point to Colorado and go, oh, look at what Colorado's done. They also overhauled with 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 two first round NFL picks. It makes it a little easier when you got Shadira Sanders and Travis Hunter to, mm -hmm. as part of that transfer class. Um, and so, no, I think recruiting is is in a great spot. I would expect them to continue to do really well. And these are guys that, that joined up for the long haul, not for what they saw on the field this fall. Well, I think a lot of folks are just concerned that you're not going to be able to attract any other players if, if you're not, you know, looking better on the field. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they looked pretty good a couple weeks ago against Georgia. And so people remember that. And you go out and play well against Ole Miss, they'll remember that. And, hey, there's still half of a season to go. That's right. Um, and so there, there's, there's lots of things that can change. And this is about guys seeing what the – because I'm getting every time an Auburn coach talks to somebody, they go, "Look, we need you. You're you're the part that we're missing off this team. That's a pretty good selling point." All right, uh, talk before we get into the uh, players to keep an eye out for the ones that are visiting this weekend. Um, your thoughts on the uh, decommits over the last week? Yeah, the, the first one, uh, Jalua Solomon's a guy that that when he when he committed to Auburn that day, he already had a, an edit made to South Carolina. And and Auburn made a strong push there. That's when I always felt like I could go back and forth, and, it, and that's what it's done. Um, and then you look at Jaden Lewis, a guy that I, I think what you have, especially for a first year staff, a first year staff, you, you gotta you gotta take some guys that hey go junior film, what I think he's gonna be, and maybe now you have to reevaluate what you've done in recruiting, and and that's part of it, unfortunately. Um, and so I think there's some there's some guys that go, hey, these guys have, have moved. Maybe it's not – I don't know that it's Jaden Lewis has moved down a bunch. But maybe there's some guys that you've seen that go, well, we like that guy better. And so it's just it's just the unfortunate part of recruiting nowadays. At least it's done now and not December 5th. Right. Um, but there's a couple of those guys that, that, that I think could be in. Obviously, Laquan Robinson is, is visiting this weekend as an official visitor. More of a true safety a kid originally from Greenville that's at Holmes Community College and then – Caleb Harris is a kid from from Thompson High School in, in Alabaster that we've seen the last couple of weeks that I think has moved up because of his play as a senior. So just a little shuffling that I think will continue. And 
under it's it's what you have to do nowadays. Oh yeah, and then uh, Auburn with a couple of uh, I guess a couple of official visitors, junior college guys yep, coming yep. in. Yeah, I mentioned Laquan Robinson coming in. Uh, you know, safety that's like I said originally from Greenville. I saw him play a couple times in high school, and then Brian Taylor is a kid that. Uh, really good friends with Dylan Wade. Uh, him and Dylan Wade are really close. He's at, at Bland College in Texas. Um, big defensive end kind of guy that would give you potentially a guy to go along with Keltrick Falk, maybe mm-hmm. a guy that could even play the jack a little bit. So those two guys for for the official visit side and then just a ton of a, lot, a ton lot. of big time officials. Ryan Williams back in town. Ryan right. Williams. We saw Ryan Williams and uh, you know KJ Lacey last Friday night. Uh, so we went to saw Sarah Land play. Uh, both those guys are expected to come back in this weekend. Um, that'll be two games in a row for them. And to be here when Alabama, Tennessee's in Tuscaloosa, yeah, no that's, a, that's a pretty big deal. And so, um, yeah, expecting to see those guys again Saturday night. And um, I would expect to see them again on the field later in the season because that Sarahland team is pretty rough. Whew, they're really good. Where, where, uh, you, where are you headed Friday? I'm going to go Auburn Central Friday night. Oh yeah, that, yeah. That I, 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 it's, it's, I've saved this one for this time. You and the rest of the uh, the town, uh, the, the, the local media. I, I would love to be able to go on on tomorrow night. I'd love to be able to go to Opelika Enterprise Enterprise. Just a little bit too too fur of a trip for me. I love to go see that, and I think that's going to be a fun game. This is a, I mean, this is a just a wild finish in in this region. What and a region it, it is. is! I mean, year in and year out, but we can we could get we could get some of these teams facing off. In the postseason uh, yeah, as well, and, I mean, you know, we'll and, and yeah, because I, I mean, I think you know that seven A down south, Mary Montgomery's a team that's gotten better. I still don't know how good they are, but I've seen Baker, I've seen Foley, um, and I don't know that you know they got some skill guys. I just don't know that they're going to be line of scrimmage wise what what we see around this area. Jason, I uh, know you got to run. Let everybody know how you know what what all to expect, what all's going on for the rest of the week, and how they can uh, access it. All. Yeah, obviously, uh, lots of the stuff leading up to Saturday um, for the football game. Obviously, Auburn Ole Miss six o'clock Saturday night. Nathan was in Birmingham today. He'll have some basketball. Um, I'll have a little little men's golf maybe thrown in here this week they, too. They're pretty uh, darn good. Pretty darn good, and so have a little bit of that as well. You can find all that at auburnundercover.com. And then, like I said. A lot of recruiting Christians blowing it up. We've got a running visitor list already. Uh, we've had all week, and we're continuing to add to that. So you can find that as well at auburnundercover.com and follow me on Twitter, ITATJason. Great stuff. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, guys. We will uh, see you this weekend. All right, we'll get to our final break here of hour number one. A reminder, uh, Auburn Associate Director of Bands, Marching Band Director Corey, uh, Corey Sperlin will be joining us at 5 to talk about the special show coming up Saturday night at the half and how, you know, if you're going to be there, you could get involved. So uh, stick with us. Come on in and join us here on the Wednesday Drive. Hey, guys, this is Tyler Rick. Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive. Final segment of hour number one here on this Wednesday. Our thanks to Jason Caldwell for being with us as he is on Wednesdays. Good stuff as always from Jason. Hopefully uh, you heard it all. If you missed any, you can check out the podcast. Podcasts of The Drive available however you listen to podcasts. Go to your favorite podcasting platform and search for The Drive with Bill Cameron or go to ESPNAU.com and use the Podcast Center. Podcast of The Drive presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. We'd love for you to join in and you can uh, give us a call on the 
Drive Hotline, presented by Skybar Cafe, 334-321-1390. Interesting, I mean, um, I mean, how are, Jason, you, how are you feeling about, about Saturday night? Like, what, it's going to be tough. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I you know, I, I, I'm i with Jason. I would like to see, I've, I've said it a couple times this week, I'd like to see Auburn just go ahead, let, let Hugh Freeze do what he likes to do on offense. Let's, let's see him. I, I agree with him. The offense seems to have moved better and been more productive when they go with tempo. I know you're, you could be asking for trouble, but look, Ole Miss is going to run tempo anyway. And I, I don't know if going three and out and taking two minutes is uh, going to be that much better than if you don't get a first down going up tempo, you're going to what? lose a minute you're gonna you're gonna have to throw the ball I think Ole Miss is good enough that if you try to be one-dimensional against them they're gonna be able to uh, stop it more often than not maybe, maybe maybe you'll be able to occasionally break for first downs but like I've, I've used the well, let's just let's just run it and and hope for you know hope, hope for success and throw, throw it throw it as, as little as possible I feel like that's trying to you'd bet you'd better throw it Early and do some quick things. Get the ball to the backs. Get it to Brandon Frazier, Revolver, yeah, whatever the tight ends. Get the ball out there and hope you can get four or five yards on first down that way, where they don't know what you're going to be doing on second and third down. Yeah, I mean, I, I would just think that, and it's a little bit like this the strategy against Georgia. I I feel like you got to get Thorn going, right? Like he's got to get positive things going early to build some confidence for the whole offense. Are, are you are you a hundred percent convinced he's your starter? I Saturday? think so. Saturday, I'm, night. I'm ninety. Yeah, plus I, th- I think he's the starter. Sure. Now, 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 how long is the leash? Uh, not how very. Long, I how long think. will Hugh Freeze watch? Go out the there offense? and have a couple of series like Auburn did to start the game against LSU, and no, no, and that, it's, and it's much shorter. And that might make sense as to why the backups getting more run in practice, you know, as, as an insurance policy in case Auburn has to pull the plug early. But no, I, I would think you you want you want Thorne to feel. Uh, confident and believing that good things can happen in this offense early on and however you know whether it's whether it's setting him up with some easy completions early or uh you know calling for a calling for a run or two uh, to get some pot like I, I don't know how you do it but I mean they found a way to do it against Georgia I mean he had that 61 yard run on the second drive of the game mm-hmm. against Georgia and and I felt like it maybe boosted his confidence when he went into that game coming off of Cal and A&M where you know it was it was fair to say you know, the, you know where, where's where's the confidence right now? So, uh, no. Well, I, think that I mean, would be... at least at least at the end of the Cal game, he looked okay. He did. The he Texas did. A&M game was a completely different story. Um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting to see how they approach this. I mean, is is the plan? The other thing is, is the plan still to mid drive? If the situation occurs, you're going to change quarterbacks. I sort of hope not. I would, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think if you want to do, if if Thorne's playing well, you keep him in, you know, keep him in as much as you can if he's playing well. Or if, if he's go, not go, and Robbie comes in and things are going well, keep him in. roll with it. No, I agree. And, and it, you know, the, the toughest thing to do when you're trying to go with tempo is replace quarterbacks mid-drive and things, well, if, right? If they're and making the changes at quarterback, they're probably not going that prob- much tempo. Probably not. No, so I, but I, no, I agree. I think, uh. I mean, Jason singled out a couple of skill position players in Fairweather and Camden Brown uh, that have made a case for more targets. Jay mm-hmm. Fair, Caleb Burton, Javarius Johnson. Like that's an an interesting receiver mix if you want if you wanted to go with those four yeah. slash five guys, depending on how you've you got. Move. You've got a lot of slot and tight end guys. 
Right. What you and, end up and can, yeah, Camden Brown. And, I, who cares if they can make the plays? Yeah, and and maybe they're maybe they're big and physical for outside corners that are built on you know speed. Maybe you can you know maybe you can find maybe a way to have quickness. some success. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. Let's get to the uh, hotline and Dak is up. Hey, Dak. Hey guys, good to hear you boys today. Good to hear from you. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, you know, driving to work this morning, I was thinking about the quarterback situation and and thinking about the receivers. And you know who we image or parallel uh, to in the NFL? Can you can you think of a team? Ooh, that 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 now? Auburn, yeah, with the same. I mean, right now, quarterback and everything situation. Quarterback and everything. Who's who's got who's got a situation like this? New England Patriots guys. Mac Jones takes all the heat. He doesn't have one receiver that would start for for another team in the NFL. And you can see you can see the look on his face every every weekend, you know. And he can't come out and, and say anything. He's got to back his players that he has. But but you know, I I, I kind of tend to believe that our quarterback situation is similar in the fact that, you know, our receivers, you can't count on them. Can't count on them catching the ball. You can't count on them running the right route, going the right distance. Can't count on them blocking. So it's a tough situation, guys. Oh, yeah, it is. But, got any uh, Got any suggestions, Dak? What's the, what's the solution? Well, if I had that solution, I'd be making a lot more money than what I do right now, guys. When we call hey. our show. All, all, you, all you can do, man, is, is just keep trying to get better. I'd like to see us throw to the tight end more. Yep. Uh, but, you know, I don't, I don't think it's really going to matter who's quarterback, in, in my opinion. But, but uh, you know, we'll see. Appreciate it, Dak. Good hearing from you. Yeah, man. Uh, all right. We got the uh, top of the hour break coming up. Another hour to go. Hey, we've got, yes, uh, Dr. Corey Sperlin early on and then tiger takes with eugene asante near the bottom of the hour but still time for your calls as well stick with us for hour number two of the wednesday drive production live from auburn the sports capital of alabama this is the drive The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. And online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome into hour number two of the Wednesday Drive. Bill and Dan with Drew at the controls here on this show. Nice looking Wednesday afternoon. Our thanks to Jason Caldwell, who was with us for most of hour number one. We've got a couple of special guests joining us here in hour two, but before we do that, we have John on the phone. Let's get to the let's get to the drive hotline presented by Skybar Cafe. Hey, John. Hey, good afternoon. Uh, the whole topic about the tempo is a red herring, in my opinion. Uh, Auburn's problem is execution and play calling, uh, which are both in a rut. Uh, to go fast, to go tempo, you've got to have a first down, and we are we're three and out every time. So, the uh, what we need to do is make a first down, and then we could rev the engine up. But uh, well, I, I think that's just something to change the conversation. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I I thought Saturday, I thought Saturday when Auburn 
tried to go tempo. It worked a lot better than the other. Um, I understand what you're saying. You can't really go tempo um, without getting first downs, but they're not getting – yeah, you're right. They haven't been getting first downs. Gus, Gus, would, always say, Gus would always say that, that first first down, right? right, was when it was really important. Hugh's like, a little different. Hugh, when he wants to go up tempo, he wants to go ahead and start it from the beginning of the possession. I, but the biggest thing to me is we can't – if somebody was standing wide open unguarded, we can't complete a pass, it doesn't look like. So if we could just uh, – if we could execute the play that we call, <laughs> that would be a step in the right direction. Oh, you're right. You're right. I mean, it's funny sometimes. I mean, you saw the the, uh, the the passes, the slants to Camden Brown. That was nice. And I thought, well, couldn't that work again if they tried it? But they didn't. Well, it sounds like LSU. I mean, I know Hugh Freeze, I think it was a post-game press conference where, where he talked about how LSU really started to, uh, after the two Camden Brown completions, LSU really started to focus on forcing the Auburn receivers to go outside Out. and mm-hmm. win outside matchups. And that's been that's, something. That's when you use a tight end. Auburn's or some, something else. Auburn's had, but the out, but the outside receivers, like Auburn, struggled to win. That like, when you force Auburn's outside receivers to go outside, like since Seth Williams, Auburn has struggled to win that matchup. The numbers are are awful, and so yeah, LSU was was sort of daring daring Auburn to, to win the you know the slants, and once they started doing it. Uh, then, then LSU uh, put, put the clamps down. You, you wonder if Auburn found something there with Camden Brown they could, uh, well, they, could sure carry, so. they could carry over to another game. But that's a great point there, John. Appreciate the call. And, and now, as we mentioned, um, first of our two special guests this hour, as uh, we're now joined by Auburn Associate Director of Bands, Marching Band Director, Dr. Corey Sperlin, with a special, special halftime show coming up on Saturday. Corey, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. War Eagle, thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was really excited when when uh, you sent me the email and, and, and we're talking about the the show that is coming up at, at halftime this week. It is something that bands across the nation are getting involved in a competition. Just to let, let everybody know exactly what, what the uh, – um, what this is all about, and, and then, we, then we can talk about goals and, and, how, and how the fans can help out. Absolutely. Yeah, the, the band Metallica, uh, they are having a marching band competition this season that involves really marching bands of all levels, high school all the way up to Division One, and they have separate categories that you compete in, so we're obviously in the Division One marching band category, and Essentially, you play their music, create any type of halftime performance uh, that you would like, as long as it's their original music, and you video your show and submit it via a YouTube link, and then uh, they've got some professionals that they've hired to narrow things down to five finalists in each category, and then the band uh, Metallica selects the overall winner for each of those categories. Uh, And then for our division, it's uh, 75 thousand uh, dollar prize in wow. equipment that they are awarding so we're excited to have the opportunity glad that they're promoting marching bands throughout the country and you know, i've been a big metallica fan since i was a teenager so it's uh fun for me as well no that that's really cool how is the uh uh you know i know metallica is a band that's been around for uh for, for some time and they have fans of all ages but how have the uh, uh how, how have the performers in uh the the au marching band uh, taken to the sort of Metallica challenge? Uh, they were really excited when we shared the news with them. Uh, obviously, we tell them 
all the shows that we're going to perform when we first meet in, in August for camp. And uh, they were pretty excited about the opportunity. We feel like we have a, a really good product. We have good resources that we could uh, – you know, produce a really great show and have a chance of, of winning. But also, it's it's fun music. I mean, uh, the heavy metal genre carries over pretty well to what we do. And it's a good year for us to do something like this. we got a great band. If you've heard them at the games, they're one of the loudest marching bands we've ever had. They produce a lot of sound. So very appropriate for them to be playing a heavy metal show for this competition. Yeah, I, and I can attest to that. I mean, I live out on the other side of the interstate, and, and we've been able to, uh, to hear when practice – People may not realize, we've talked about this before when we've had you on, but, I mean, the practice hours that you guys put in from the start, I mean, from the blistering heat of summer throughout the season is just uh, amazing. I mean, the dedication and the hard work that is put into this is something that I think a lot of fans may not realize. Yeah, I'm really really proud of our students. I mean, if you came out to practice today, you would have, you would have seen the students spend about 35 minutes learning, learning marching formations for next week's military appreciation shows. So we have to learn that kind of this week. Mm-hmm. Then we went into Metallica and worked on that and cleaned up some things from Metallica, and then we spent our last 20 minutes on the pregame show. So we, we had to be real efficient to learn all this material, but I'm fortunate to have really great students that love what they do. They love representing Auburn and uh, they're they're very hopeful that that fans will stay in their seats this Saturday and really make make Jordan Hare feel like a Metallica concert. And, and there have been rave reviews of the of the three home games so far. The atmosphere that Auburn has been able to present, and I, and I think uh, uh, the marching band is a is a huge part of that. Like and we've said, been that, waiting for a night game. Yeah, we've we've been waiting a for one big but, night but game. We've, yeah, we we really enjoy what you guys have done uh, so far, and uh, and yeah, looking forward to. Uh, uh, to to Metallica and and everything else you've got up your sleeve uh, the the rest of the season. Yeah, t- so let's talk a little bit about uh, Saturday night and and what's going on. You're, you're uh, again want the fans to to stick around, not just to enjoy, but they're gonna. You're counting on the fans to participate as well. Absolutely. Well, first of all, I need to realize we're going to turn the lights down really low, and so uh, we have a lighting rig that allows us to to put lights on our hats uh and and so we can individually program every single band member it's pretty innovative uh other bands have done some things with lights where they could they could light up chunks of their band sort of like your christmas tree just does one color like white or or blue or red or whatever but for us we can uh, we're kind of like the fancy house down the street that can do the whole lighting display at christmas we can individually program each student and do all kind of designs and patterns and everything so We've done that twice, but we were never fortunate enough to get a night game when we were planning to do it. We just had the 2.30 kick with a dusk kind of halftime. So this time we've finally got the night game to to use our lighting equipment. We're going to turn the lights out, and we're going to make a real rock concert kind of vibe. And we just want fans to sing along, especially when you get to the chorus of Inner Sandman. Everybody knows it. So sing with us, you know, take your cell phone and, and take pictures because uh, those little lights on the cell phone light up in the stands and, and make it look like a – like a concert there and so you know just enjoy i hopefully it all works like it's supposed to we think it will and we think it's going to be a a great show for everyone so how prepared how much preparation should fans are going to be at the game uh put in 
Well, they they definitely would. They definitely need to review Metallica from the 1980s and 90s. We're, we're doing that that core period where they had their first five albums. Uh, For whom the bell tolls, and whenever wherever I may roam starts to show. And then we're going to do Master Puppets, which is one of my favorites. And nothing else matters. We had to throw in a rock ballad, right, from Metallica. Oh, yeah. And then obviously, we, you don't go to an, uh, a, a Metallica concert and not hear Inner Sandman. Uh, before the end, so we're going to make sure we end strong with that. And so, you know, brush up on your lyrics and, and be ready to sing along. That would be my advice. <laughs> yeah, Master and uh, Master of Puppets having something of a moment recently because of uh, Stranger Things, too. So I think there are some kids that are maybe more familiar uh, with, with that song than, than, there, than, than maybe a couple of years ago. And, and like you said, everyone who's been to a sporting event in the last couple of years, you know, probably has heard Enter Sandman, even if you're, even if you're the most casual of uh, 80s metal uh, fan you you've you've probably heard Enter Sandman before uh, I I'd love to know you know th- this and this Metallica thing is also you know sort of in, in pursuit of a you know it's part of a competition is there a is there a band or a musical act where where you and maybe you'd be on an island right but like is there someone you'd love to do a a halftime sort of tribute to uh, that that hasn't that, that hasn't happened yet is is there a is, is there is there someone that that you'd you'd love to salute uh, with the AU marching band at halftime? Hmm, that's a good question. I, I don't. No one in particular really jumps out at me because I like so many different genres of music. I you know I'm I'm a real classic rock fan to be honest with you. Outside of you know more artistic stuff that I work with each day, but. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it just we we take our show ideas as they come, and things that are kind of popular at the time, or something that pops up. Sometimes fans make suggestions that that really sparks an interest for us. Our students make suggestions, and it's really interesting how music that can be from you know the '80s or '90s in this case sort of gets a rebirth, whether it's through TikTok or through streaming uh, shows and movies and whatnot. And students are really into things that are not actually brand new, and so we try to gauge what's popular and. Uh, what's going to make a splash, and actually what gives us some options visually, which Metallica, you know, there's, you'll see in the show, there's a lot of different things visually that we can do uh, with their music. Oh, yeah, I've got, I've got some, you know, visions already in my head. I can't <laughs> wait to see this. This is, this is going to be a lot of fun. Hey, it's a great idea by Metallica, too. I mean, they're, they're promote as you said, they're promoting marching bands, but it's a great way to, you know, promote themselves to a generation that may not be as familiar with them. Sure. I mean, they've done so many collaborations. They did a collaboration with the San Francisco Symphony, did a whole album with them, and they've just been really creative in that way for multiple decades, and just another another good good idea by them. Great. So we encourage everybody, yes, uh, you know, uh, ho- hopefully you can make a break there at, the, at a timeout before halftime be there for the for the full halftime show. It should be should be just fabulous, is, Corey. Is there, is there a way if uh, if folks want to uh, keep up or contribute, uh, you know, and, and show their appreciation for the great work uh, that the marching band does? Uh, what what are the uh, what are the rec- recommended uh, things things that, that folks out there can do? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, of course, we love financial support. Who doesn't? So sure. yeah, there's ways to give to the band program through our through our website, but. Also, support online. There's going to be a fan vote for this. Uh, the overall winner is picked by Metallica, but there's also a, a fan vote winner. Mm-hmm. And so on our social media sites, we'll have all the instructions on how people can go on and, and vote for the Auburn Band video once it's posted. Only vote once. They're very particular about this. I don't want anybody trying to cheat with it, but uh, we would love for folks to go in and, and vote for our video, and maybe we can uh, come away with a victory. 
Boy, I hope so. We're looking forward to it again. Thanks, thanks so much, Corey, for joining us, and uh, best of luck. Can't wait till Saturday night. Yeah, thank you so much, War Eagle. That's uh, Dr. Corey Sperlin, associate director of bands, marching band director, and with the big show, the Metallica show, halftime Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, let, let's. Uh, the the band has been sensational so far. I mean, not oh, just not just this year, but but as always, you know, great work. Uh, salute to everybody. Uh, past and present, you know, AU marching band. Uh, but, uh, yeah, looking forward to Metallica night, Saturday night, and then Military Appreciation, which is always a really cool That's show. Right. Uh, they're doing that for, for Mississippi State a week later. We need to get to our first break. We'll open up the phone lines. Love for you to join in, 334-321-1390. That is the Drive Hotline presented by Skybar Cafe. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840, on the Drive Text box presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. Right back with more here on the Wednesday Drive. Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. 19 minutes after 5 o'clock here on this Wednesday afternoon. Yeah, I, I think that'll be fun Saturday night. Uh, I think a lot of folks are going to enjoy that. Oh, the, yeah. Uh, the, so, the, the halftime show that so, Auburn's got. So brush up on Enter Sandman's chorus between now and Saturday night, and you can be part of the, uh, you can be part of the halftime show when the call and response part of the uh, – of the, well, maybe not call and response, but just a sing-along chorus – that you can uh, the, that you can be part of when when the band uh, showcases their uh, Metallica cover. Yep, of course, uh, Auburn and Ole Miss will be you know performing on either side of the halftime show. You hope Auburn hope Auburn performs. Could see some heavy well. metal, yeah. Could see some heavy metal from both of those teams. Ole Miss has been scoring a lot. Uh, I mean, we we were looking at the. I mean, Jackson Dart has twice as many passing yards as. The crazy, the crazy thing that I heard when I heard somebody talking about Jackson Dart, he's rushed for 50 more yards than Auburn's leading rusher, which happens to be Peyton, Who Thorne. Peyton Thorne. But yeah. he's not Ole Miss's leading rusher, no, by by any means. And getting and I mean now Ole Miss, it's interesting because people talked about how they've struggled, they've struggled in the uh, offensive line on the offensive line, but Dart and Bentley and. And and Judkins are all guys who can really make you pay mm-hmm. with with one mistake, and that's the, we were you know we were talking about the matchup last week, uh, Auburn and LSU. What concerns me about this matchup is LSU is going to or Ole Miss is is going to, uh, you know they're they're going to really test your defensive depth in the second half if they're enjoying success offensively early, and so you know Auburn's really uh yeah you got you got to you got to hunker down weather the storm getting. Guys like Keontae and Austin Keys back uh, would be really helpful to a defense that, I mean, it just feels like, I mean, th- this is a game where a lack of depth defensively could hurt you. Like, this is a game where, oh, yes. where Ole Miss, the way they want to run the ball. It most likely will hurt you. If, if they're, yeah, if they're able to succeed in the second half, you know, we were, we were saying last year, Penn State, Arkansas, you know, some of the, some of the really down moments of the 2022 season, you know, that, the, the Auburn's lack of depth defensively, it, it was it was on display in the second half. And if things don't go well Saturday night, that's what you're that's what you're worried about is, you know, can can Ole Miss that because they won't stop scoring. No, they won't. Lane would score. Lane will score as many as he can. You don't. And this is you think he might have something to prove against a former Ole Miss coach? Yes, Hugh Freeze. I, think I mean, so. I think I think he would. I think 
Lane Kiffin will hear about it from angry Ole Miss fans, mm-hmm. right? If if uh, if Hugh Freeze in year one, oh absolutely at, at Ole Miss. So yeah, I think that's there's there's something on the line for Hugh as well. And they're they're still in contention for the West. They are right? absolutely, there's, absolutely. They just need uh, they need Alabama to lose. They need them to lose twice. But I mean, well, they need LSU to keep winning, right? And then yeah, that's right. LSU needs to beat Alabama. You could have a three way tie, I think, at the uh, at, at yeah, the top of the I West. Was, if, yeah, if if LSU, Ole Miss, and Bama. Then Ole Miss has a tiebreaker over LSU, who has a tiebreaker over Alabama, who has a tiebreaker over Ole Miss. Yeah, now Ole Miss. And you'd go then down Ole Miss needs, the rest of the Ole Miss needs an LSU win and then an Auburn win in the Iron Bowl. Like that's that's yeah, what they, that's that, what they that would that would get them in. That's that's what they or, need or to win out, win out, have and have Alabama lose to or a Tennessee or a Tennessee win right. this, this weekend, which is also you know unlikely, I would say. But, I but, think it is but unlikely. Possible. 334-321-1390. That is the Drive Hotline presented by Skybar. And Greg is up next. Hey, Greg. Hey, Greg. Hey, guys. How y'all doing today? Pretty good. Oh, yeah. I just, just sitting there listening to what y'all were saying right there. I, I don't know. I didn't. I was expecting a little bit tight of a ball game, but I don't know what the world we've done on a, on a bye week and what we're working on. It, it, it's really seeming – to me, that we're we're forcing something that we're just we're not good at, and uh, we're not controlling the tempo. You know, I think we control a little bit better against Georgia, uh, running the ball a little bit more. And, uh, I don't know the loyalty to the Thorn or whoever. Or I don't know what's going on with the offensive coordinator. Uh, I, I don't think anybody when he when Freeze was hired, me included. Uh, Thought that it would look dysfunctional no, no. You're absolutely on offenses. Right. They they just can't they can't pick out what they really want to do. And uh, I don't know if I heard I, I'm probably about to mess it up, but you said something about uh, Dart's got more rushing yards and uh, Auburn's leading rusher. What happens to be Thorn? Yes. I'd have lost the house on that bet. You're not kidding. I, I said that off the air before we started the show. I said if, if you had told me halfway through, if you the had season, told me Peyton Thorne would lead Auburn in rushing yards through six games, I would have given you hundred to one odds on on. Well, on I'm gonna like tell that. you. Does that not tell you something? I mean, it's you know, I know for, I know Freeze wanting you know he's wanting to throw it, but let's just be realistic here. It, it, if something's not working, there's a there's something going on between Freeze and, and Montgomery or what they're trying to do. It, it's not working. You see this game, then it's not working. Look, guy. Greg, well, Greg, Greg, you used the term earlier. You said loyalty to Thorne. And, and that's, you know, there, there's one way. That's one way of putting it. But after Saturday night, seeing, I mean, coming off a bye week and they bring Robbie Ashford in and he runs – a handful of plays that look a lot like the plays that he'd been running earlier in the season. They pull him off the field on third and long. One way of looking at it is loyalty to Thorne. I think it's clear through six games there's a lack of faith in anyone else at the quarterback position from this coaching staff. I think that's a fair way of describing it. Is that there's yeah, a lack, hard not, hard a lack, not to think lack that. of faith in Robbie, lack of faith in Holden, and that's part of the reason why. And you can say, why would they have faith in Thorne, which is a fair question, but – it, it would seem, based on the way they've used these guys, they have a real lack of faith in anybody else to play that position. Well, you know, I'm going to say this. It's been wishy-washy. Uh, you sit there and say uh, the lack of faith in Thorne. Well, I mean, the faith in Thorne he's having, but he can't keep Robbie off the field. Well, here's the deal. Our running backs, you know, Jarquez, 
just don't look like Jarquez, which I, I'm going to be honest with you here. I think Jarquez looked a lot better when he was getting thrown. You know, the ball was thrown to him more out of the backfield when you had Bigsby in there. So that right there kind of, if you look back on it, the perception on that right there, you got to look at it. But the thing about it is he, he's leaving thrown in there for the threat of a pass. But then when Robbie comes in, they're actually respecting the run more than more so than they would when you got uh, thrown in there. I mean, yeah, Robbie can open up the passing game with his legs by himself. And if we, you know, if we had a hint, you know, just something of a rush in the game, you could control a game more. And I, you know, I hate to say it, but I mean, if, if you're you're being you're backing up throwing, and I get it. Look, I'm all about, hey, stick with him, stick with him. Well, you know what? It ain't working. You're six games in. This is not working. I don't know what's going on. Your receiver's not running the right route, supposedly some, and you got a lot of factors going on here. Well, you know what? If you don't you don't get something right here quick, you might not win what you think you're going to win. I mean, it's going to be a dog fight with uh, Mississippi State. It's going to be a dog fight with everybody. Well, you you, you run you run into the you run into the danger of if things go really really bad this week of of losing the team or you know having some guys just say well, well you know and we've that's, seen that's that's uh, that's it as far as goals two, and things. Two thousand eight is a season so. that comes to mind where it's like you know Auburn's defense was keeping them in games right. early when the offense was struggling and then gradually that that dam breaks and you start to see Auburn's mm-hmm. defense and there's a defense that we've been talking about a lack of depth. I mean, yeah. The yeah. Offense, offense struggles against Ole Miss. You, I mean, Ole Miss will only come up empty on so many drives before they'll start to convert, and and Auburn will be in in real trouble. So I, I think I, I mean, yeah, I don't know what the early answer is. I, Auburn at home. You know, the last time last time yeah. Auburn played at home, it was yeah. That's that's the thing to remember. I mean, a week ago everybody was so optimistic. It's yes, that last one was U G L Y. But but I mean, we've seen teams look completely different Jekyll and Hyde from one week to the next and a lot of times it's because of where they're playing so I mean we will see that's why they play them this week let's uh let's get I, ca- I can't imagine Auburn would uh I, I can't imagine I appreciate the phone call Greg uh, g- good stuff but but I yeah I can't imagine Auburn would continue to keep Thorne in the game the whole time if, if, if they're struggling like I, no. I think that's that's not gonna it'll be interesting to see I mean but they'll give him know, a chance to build, build some momentum early that, that would be my guess is that I you know I'm thinking he starts and they'll give him a couple see. of drives to, to try yep. to establish something and and if he if he doesn't I wonder is it some yeah I, I agree I mean when folks talk about loyalty or I've heard other people say well Auburn spent so much money on Peyton Thorne that they they can't afford not to keep playing him because how much he's costing I I still don't think Hugh Freeze is going to play somebody that he doesn't think he feels gives them the best no, chance I, to win. I, I think that that's, I mean, you look at Alabama and Milrose on the field instead of Buckner, the, the big acquisition right. from, the, that's from true. the transfer portal. Like, I don't think coaches have I, – I don't think coaches can afford to make decisions about who's on the field based on promises that were made. Or, or NIL. Or, or NIL considerations. No, I, I don't think that works, especially at the quarterback position. I, I think, if anything, it's a – I mean, look, Robbie, Robbie Ashford ran four passing plays on Saturday night, and they were all to the tight end. Like, it, it seems to me like they're – I mean, it's not, that's not to say that this offense couldn't accomplish something with Ashford in the game, but based on the way he's been used through the first six – doesn't seem like they want him throwing the ball downfield to receivers. But, yeah. 
But if it doesn't improve under Peyton Thorne, then you just got to see. Certainly. I mean, and, and, and especially if Peyton Thorne is having trouble getting away from the rush, yes. right? Like, that's yeah. where it's like, okay, well, we'll there, there's th- – then you start to wonder what he's bringing to the table instead of one of the other options. We will uh, – yes, we, we need to get to our bottom of the hour break. Don't forget Tiger Takes as uh, Jacob Goins spent some time with Eugene Asante. Uh, we've got that for you when we come back here on the Wednesday Drive. on the line visited with Auburn linebacker Eugene Asante. Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 1067 sitting down with Auburn linebacker Eugene Asante for our weekly segment for Tiger Takes here on ESPN 1067. Eugene great to hear from you once again man. Um, I know it's been a it's been a tough stretch uh, as you get into SEC play. Auburn still looking for uh, that first win in conference play and Before we talk about the LSU game in particular and then start previewing Ole Miss this weekend, what is it about SEC football and SEC play that is just so different from really anything else in college football? Yeah, I think SEC play is uh, something that, um, you know, you can't take for granted. Uh, Every week a team is going to show up with their best. You know, they're going to try to put their best foot forward and, you know, you know, just persevere and try to get the W. So, we understand the comp- uh, how competitive the SEC is. We understand uh, um, how much rich history is in the SEC. So every week we have to be on our A game, you know. So it's it's important for us to just put our best foot forward and uh, play the way that we uh, know we can play. So uh, the teams are go- the teams are competitive. The teams are all in the conference are, are winning teams. They're all teams that are going to put their best foot forward and, and be elite teams throughout college football. So we understand we got to strap up and play our best football every every Saturday. conference play well y'all made another trip on the road uh, in conference play down to baton rouge one of the toughest places to play in college football another night game and and i'm sure you're aware that auburn seems to always play night games down in baton rouge and that's another one that you guys had to play this past saturday and um a competitive game there for a while and then it really just kind of got away from from the team and we knew just how good that lsu offense was and i know you guys were were game planning and and watching film and doing everything you could to stop Jaden Daniels, who is playing really at a Heisman level right now, and that offense, Hugh Freeze, your head coach, mentioned is one of the best he's seen. Uh, just your your breakdown and takeaways from that game against LSU. Yeah, I think LSU has a re- uh, really good team over there. Like we talked about, Jaden Daniels is a special player. Um, he's one of those. He's going to be uh, wherever the, the Heisman ceremony is uh, this year. He's going to be there, president for that. Uh, so we understand what type of player and caliber player he was, and how good that offense was and you know they did a really good job uh coming out there had a really good scheme and you know i think the biggest thing for us is taking it as a, with a learning experience and understanding that there's, just, there's things to improve upon there's things uh, there's the foundation that we got to build and we got to go harder in practice 100 percent. so it's on the leaders it's on um the guys that you know are the standard bearers every day in order for us to go out there and set a standard in practice um and understand that you know the harder we go in practice you know the easier the game is you know, so not to put us in uncomfortable situations when the game arises. You know, just we do it in practice every day. Uh, we practice with a certain type of intensity and certain type of level. And we understand that we go out there and we play the best football we can because we've seen it before. We've done it before. So it's, this game is not a coincidence. It's not a, you know, it's really the work you put in is the work you receive. So 
Um, I just want to articulate that to the team and uh, understand that if we thought we were doing enough, we got to do more. Well, there's no doubt that you are putting in the work yourself individually. I mean, you led the team in tackles once again with 12 total tackles, four solo. You had a sack, and you also had a tackle for loss. I mean, you're just all over the place on the defensive side of the football, and it's almost a see ball, get ball type of thing for you on that defensive side, man. It really, really is fun to watch. Yes, sir. You know, I just, you know, the biggest thing is I, I, I wasn't, wasn't able to play out there last year, so I really want to go out there and every Saturday get put my best foot forward and play with the, the standard of uh, effort and the intensity that's required to play this game. You know, I want to play with that attention to detail. I just want to play the way the game is supposed to be played. So, you know, I'm, I'm grateful to be out there and, and, and playing the game I love and doing it the way I know how to do it. You know, we just got to get those translated to wins and ultimately that'll just, that, that'll bring the team to where we need to be. In a game like LSU on this past Saturday where the, the final score isn't what you want it to be and it you know it ended up being a lopsided victory, how was the response of a team, this team in particular, of course, uh, with you and the defense and the offense and everybody together, what's been the, the response and how do you kind of rebound from this? Uh, because you know this better than anybody. I mean, you don't take any weeks off in the SEC with Ole Miss coming up. Yeah, uh, I think we I think we rebounded really well from it. Um, I think it's, it's certainly something that we had to endure uh, for us to improve upon what uh, what we were building. So um, uh, I think right after the game, the guys were kind of in shock. They were a little uh, just you know didn't understand what had happened on the field or what transpired. But I think we had to just rally around other guys and rally around leaders on amongst the team and just understand that we had to put our, we have to continue to put our best foot forward and we have to go harder. We thought we were going, doing enough. We weren't doing enough. So I think last uh, yesterday we practiced on Tuesday, and I think our practice on Tuesday has been the best practice we had all year. Wow. And, and, that's, and that's something I wanted to articulate and let the guys know that we're, we're building upon Tuesday. You know, we don't have to get it all right uh, on Tuesday, but we're, we're going to build upon it and just play with an effort and uh, attention to detail that is required to play this game. So um, Tuesday practice was phenomenal. I, I want to build upon it today. So, um, today should be a great day for us. And it, it seems like, you know, having good practices, it's, it seems like it can be diff- – not for this team, I'm just saying in general, in football or sports, really. It, it seems like having good days in practice leading up to a big game and then trying to carry it over – People think that's just so easy, right? Well, if you have a good day in practice, then we'll just do it again in the game. But those are two completely different things. Yeah, it's it's, it's really two completely different things. And a lot of a lot of different factors that go into a game. You know, we have crowd noise, we have the environment, we have you know Jordan Harris is electric in his own. So it's just certain different factors. You know, uh, fans are there, your family's there. So it's a lot of things that go on into the game that you don't have in that practice setting. But one thing I want the guys to understand is just trying to put their mind in the frame that we're in the game. Just put their mind in the in Jordan Harris Stadium. Put it put it in that we're we're going into a game. So when the game arises, we don't tense up, we don't freeze up. We just play the way we played it in practice, and that's fast and physical. So um, that's one thing we've been trying to do. Um, that's that's one thing we've been everybody on the team has been talking about. You know, just going 110 miles per hour whether it's a special teams drill, whether it's a defensive drill, whether it's an offensive drill, we're trying to do that. We're trying to simulate that game like setting. Well, practice like you play, right? 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, it, I mean, for you, it comes from experience, I think, and I think your leadership comes from that. I think your your game readiness and game preparedness comes from experience, and uh, a lot of these guys are are getting used to college football, SEC football, something you know you've had to do in your time as well. And so, uh, it, it sounds like to me that there's a lot of teaching going on, but that's going to be really good for this team down the road and for these guys individually down the road as well, for everybody to kind of rely on each other and just and all and get better in a season that no it may not be you're not undefeated and and doing anything like that but there's a lot of growth going on it sounds like yeah 100 percent um and that's that's kind of one of the big purposes of having a new staff come in you know just developing the future developing guys preparing them we understand that um and recruiting you know the coaches having this having half a class you know just behind the eight ball but in terms of that we're just building for the future. We want young guys and the guys um, that are coming up, the future, the freshmen now, to just understand what it's required. You know, just leave that uh, that impact with them. So when they're older, when they're upperclassmen, they're able to implement it and they're able to grow upon it and, and, and you know, ultimately build upon what the foundation we set. And it continues to grow. Foundation continues to grow each and every uh, class that's here. So that's one thing I want to do. That's one thing, one impact I want to leave is just – continue to put our continue to inspire the young guys to put their best foot forward. Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7 talking with Auburn linebacker Eugene Asante for our weekly segment in Tiger Takes. Looking ahead to this weekend as we put the LSU game behind us, Eugene. Looking ahead, you guys are back home this weekend in Auburn in Jordan-Hare Stadium. You've already talked about how uh, the atmosphere there is undefeated. And hey, you guys are playing under the lights this weekend against Ole Miss. I know you guys are looking forward to that. Yeah, it's, it's once again another big challenge for us uh, going in against Ole Miss, Ole Miss offense that has you know goes extremely fast, and Coach Lane Kiffin does a really good job and uh, preparing those guys, and, and you know uh, puts a lot of good things on film. They have a great quarterback in Jackson Dart, and um, you know ultimately we want to put our best foot forward. They also have an extremely good running back in Jenkins, uh, you know who I personally enjoy uh, going against and you know going up against him and you know. Um, Put my best foot forward. So, man, we're excited for the Ole Miss game. Uh, we want to go out there and prove what we can uh, we can do. Uh, a night game as well. You know, all the you know Jordan Hare will be electric on, on Saturday night. So, we're just excited to be out there again, be home, and just put our best foot forward. How is it for you? Because Hugh Freeze talked about this on Monday uh, in his weekly press conference. This is the third straight week with Georgia, LSU, or third straight game, I should say, with Georgia, LSU, and now Ole Miss that you're going, your defense is going against the top offenses in the SEC. Uh, how do you how do you stay fresh? How do you stay ready and prepare for that, knowing that it, it's a gauntlet, not just in the SEC, but going up against some of the best offenses the conference has to offer? Yeah, I think I think the biggest thing is just holding in every week on the tendencies and the things that are presented on film. And, uh, you know, when they show us a certain thing with formations or they show us a certain thing with their tendencies, uh, just honing in on it and using what the coaches teach us, um, continuing to hammer in and know it like the back of your hand, you know, and, and then, you know, just building upon it every, every, every day of practice. You know, so we see something that uh, arises in certain formations, you can trigger faster and play faster. And then when once you get to that point where you understand and know all the tendencies and all the shifts and all the motions and all the things that will change your defense in the, within the defense, 
it just comes down to your want to it and uh, desire to to make a play. Your want to and desire to to be disruptive, uh, make a play, and just alter the game. You know, so that want to, that hunger is something that we want to instill in all our guys on the defense. And yeah, we're just building fun, and we want to, that wants to be the we want that to be the standard uh, for this game on Saturday. And discipline on the field, right? Like on-field discipline, especially on the defensive side, playing offenses like these three teams, the two teams you've just played and the one you're going to play on Saturday, that they can beat you in so many different ways. I mean, on-field discipline and, and knowing your game plan and knowing your assignment, I know that's a huge factor in a game like this. Yeah, yeah. They, you got to be extremely disciplined to play a game like this. Um, they do so many good things, good things offensively. That you have to really be honed in. You have to be locked in at all times during the game. You can't have a mental slip up, um, especially with the speed of the game. You know they're gonna, they're trying to run a hundred plays and they're trying to uh, make it a shootout. You know every every single game. So the biggest thing for us is knowing what we're doing, um, understanding it to, to the uh, to the utmost degree, and then on top of that, just playing fast and physical football. So um, whether it's in the trenches, whether it's in the back end. Uh, we have to command that. We have to demand that out of our uh, out of our team, and just and ultimately that we want those to get us to where we need to be, which is with the W. So um, it's exciting, exciting to play in Jordan here on Saturday, man. I'm I'm ready to bounce back from last week. When you look at the schedule right now, starting with this Ole Miss game, uh, the schedule, I'm not saying it gets easy by any means because you're still playing in the SEC, but you're not playing the number one team in the country, Georgia. You're not playing the one of the top offenses in the country, LSU, and another top offense in Ole Miss. After this week, This, and I know you're probably not looking ahead too much, but there are some opportunities for Auburn and you to kind of get back on track and get this season going in the right direction. How how can you do that this weekend under the lights at home using all the fans who are going to be there, be loud and proud and, and try to take down who is a top 15 Ole Miss team? Uh, I think the biggest thing is just, like we said, understanding our brand of football, understanding what Auburn means to so many people, the fans, understanding what Auburn means to, to our alumni, to our coaches that have played, um, understand the foundation that has been set. We understand what type of university this is. Um, we understand what type of people support us. We understand this, like, just immensely how much people care about this game. So I take pride in that. You know, I want to go out there and put my best foot forward because I understand that there's little kids at home that, you know, support Auburn with all their heart. So I want to go out there and put my best foot forward every single play. And I want guys to understand that whether you're doing it for your family or whether you're doing it for the name of the – you're doing it for the uh, university – I want you to put your best foot forward because there's people that depend on us truly. So we're just going to continue to articulate that. We're going to continue to believe that and uh, breathe life into our guys. And then on Saturday, we uh, put the best foot forward and try to get there, try to get a W. Man, that's spoken like a true Auburn man. I can go ahead and tell you that. It just is you can tell your passion and your love for for football, for Auburn, uh, for the Auburn family. And it, it shows, man. I'm telling you, people people love hearing you on this station. People love watching you play football. And it's been a really uh, an honor to to talk with you each and every week and watch you play this wonderful game. Before we get out of here, I gotta ask, man, as we're right around this halfway point in the season, what's your highlight, your personal highlight from the first half uh, of the season? It can be something with the team it could be something on off the field uh in the game out of the game whatever it may be what's your personal highlight from the first half of the season oh uh, that's a good question i like that question a lot oh uh, 
my personal highlight from the start of this, for the first half of the season, I would probably say, um, I would just probably say how defensively we played in the second game of the season, you know, uh, against Cal. Mm-hmm. I, I, thought, I thought we played, uh, we were put in a lot of situations where our back was against the wall and we had to continue to fight and fight. Um, I think that's the highlight of our my season personally, just the guys, and I'm not even speaking about myself individually, but I'm speaking about how we were able to rally in situations where there were turnovers, where there's a lot of adverse situations. And so I just want the guys to understand that we're, we're capable of doing it and we want to do it every single uh, Saturday. So I think that's probably the highlight of my, of my career. And just seeing another thing is just seeing how many Auburn fans traveled to California it was such a, you know, brought a smile to my face just seeing all those fans supporting us. It was like kind of like an Auburn takeover in California. So it was a big thing. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That really is awesome. And I know that was a special experience for you guys, and you guys played really, really well in that game. And, and that's a great answer, man. I, I wanted to ask you that again. We're right around that halfway point, and so I was curious on what you had to say. Auburn linebacker Eugene Asante joins us every week here on ESPN 106.7 for Tiger Takes. Tiger Takes proudly presented each Wednesday by the Alsobrook Law Group on the web at alsolaw.com. Our thanks to the Alsobrook Law Group for their support of Tiger Takes here on The Drive. We'll get to our final break of the afternoon. Stick with us here on this Wednesday edition. Noble here with Dixie 